man. There's a beverage here, huh? Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. What's up? What's good? And how you doing, everyone? This is another episode of Who Shot You? Episode 181, to be exact. Ooh. It's your boy, If You Waddy Way, and in the studio with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have the Lord of all criticism himself, <laughs> Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, what's good? You give me way too much credit. Uh, I'll tell you what's good, Ify. Um, I, you know, I have been doing a lot more reading lately, which I, I think is a direct result of not having made a New Year's resolution to read more. It just is happening organically, and that's how the only way I do anything. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying right now, though, uh, a book called Constitution Illustrated, and basically what it is is it's the Constitution of the United States. But uh, Robert Sikoriak, who's a, a really amazing cartoonist and an amazing, I guess, mimic is the word. Like, he can draw pretty much in the style of just about anybody. So every page of this book, every snippet of the Constitution – it is accompanied by what looks like a Peanuts cartoon or a Batman cartoon or a Dykes to watch out for or a Rick and Morty. Like he, he, he does all these different styles and it's a way to make the Constitution a lot more readable than it is for us non-legal scholar types. And, um, you know, given the importance of things like, oh, uh, Section 3 of uh, Amendment 14, for instance, you know, I think the Constitution has just been in the conversation a lot lately. So if you wanted a handy way to read the thing and not feel like you were like, you know, training to become your own defense attorney, uh, I would highly recommend <laughs> Constitution Illustrated. It's a lot of fun. Also, I bet probably a great gift for anybody you know who's graduating law school. Oh, oh, nice. That's actually, I yeah, like phenomenal. the year What's Good started so, so nerdy and then got like more and more accessible. It's good. Oh, well, that's the yeah. story of my life. I was like, that's the Alonzo Duralde story. <laughs> oh, yeah. <A> touch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the next voice you heard, you know her, you love her, and she sits atop her throne from the West Coast, queen of the Midwest, Drea Clark. What's good? <laughs> Queen in absentia. Um, <laughs> uh, what's good with me is you got, and I, I need to just put a little asterisk to this. Ingu King loves to mock me for this because I keep presenting it to her to mock me, but I am obsessed with um, Korean rom-coms on Netflix. There is a show called Crash Landing on You that took over my life for the last two weeks. It should have taken over my life for like three months because there's 16 episodes and they're all over an hour long. However, I was watching like one or two a day, two a day. I don't know who I'm kidding. I was watching two a day. It's so good. They're beautifully written, beautifully shot. And this one in particular, one of the things that I love about it, other than it's like swoony and really funny, it has more um, female comedic characters than any TV show I've seen. Like, And that's in Korea. I'm sure it would be even better and funnier if I understood the original Korean. But the thing that... a love about it cannot be adapted because it is about a South Korean woman who's like an heiress and a CEO who literally paraglide accidents into North Korea and meets like military Mr. Darcy. And you guys, <laughs> no, we cannot redo that show. The first whole half of it is like, oh, where are we going to land where you can't text from? 
Like, uh, you can still find me from Canada. So anyway, I adore it. I can't wait to explore all of them. And the Netflix algorithm, which we might discuss later, has been mm. very quick mm. to suggest about a million others to me. So Ooh. How, how does the hour plus format work for a comedy? Because that's certainly something American TV has never figured out. It's more it's a comedy more like Ugly Betty or Jane the Virgin. So it's more like ah. soap opera, but like comedic beats interspersed. Gotcha. And then there's action stuff it's got it all alonzo it Ooh, really okay. does yeah okay um mm. hey iffy i yes. heard you were the emperor of gaming the sultan of comedy what's good <laughs> with you uh yes i i i firmly believe that and will uh defend uh that that is my title a uh, sultan of comedy uh no what's good with me uh you know i i i'm, I'm finally settled in so i'm i'm back on my cook and grind i made some japanese curry uh and and I'm, the instant pot is hooked up and we're good to go also my housewarming gift to myself was a vitamix so the smoothies have been smoothing uh and they've been smooth, uh, but it's also like so powerful that if you leave it on a, just a little too long, your smoothie is warm. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's energy. That's 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 en <laughs> that's one of the talking points of the Vitamix. You can make soup in it. Oh, man. Oh. OK, I was because because I was like because it started like kind of like I was doing it because I was like, I want this smoothie to be extra smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and so like it, it starts like bubbling a little bit i'm like what is going on and i pour it and i was like oh i was about to accidentally make uh consomme <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but today we're discussing judas and the black messiah we're going to be answering a call from the who shot line and of course we have our staff picks but first it's our new segment called it a dick short for is this important do i care each of us will read a new segment and answer the question is this important do i care and first scorsese is back in the news again this past week martin scorsese wrote an essay in harper's magazine on the career of famed auteur federico fellini in the uh in the essay scorsese also bemoaned the rise of the concept of hashtag content uh <laughs> according to scorsese content is a business term for all moving images content could mean a david lean movie a cat video a super bowl commercial a superhero a superhero sequel <laughs> nice dig a series episode Scorsese says we must draw a distinction between all other media and cinema. He says they are among the greatest treasures of our culture and they must be treated accordingly. Is this important? Do you care? Well, I, I of course I care. And it, mm -hmm. it is important only in that like every time Scorsese talks about this stuff, he is immediately misunderstood or like stretched out of proportion by bad faith actors. So let me walk <laughs> y'all through this. <laughs> What he is saying is that the idea of lumping all moving pictures together as content is doing a disservice to movies. And when he talks about the importance of cinema, he is including superhero movies. Scorsese is not some like pointy headed intellectual who doesn't like genre movies and doesn't like action movies and doesn't like, you know, like go look at like the, the, the lists that he's made for, you know, Edgar Wright and, and Tarantino and stuff like look at his actual career and the kind of films that he's championed. What he is saying, saying is that the Netflix algorithm that is sending uh, Drea to all of the other Korean rom-coms is not the same as somebody who is curating those Korean rom-coms and saying, hey, this one's good. This one's really good. This one's, you know, okay, but you should check it out. That one you can probably skip. 
So, you know, the, the, the importance of, you know, what they're, no, God, gatekeeping. What he means is what there's always been in terms of people at networks like TCM that actually does do curating. Uh, people at museums, people at repertory theaters like the one, the one that Tarantino owns here in Los Angeles who are knowledgeable about film and pick and choose stuff. And you can be knowledgeable about superheroes or you can be knowledgeable about Belatar. It's all curating. If you strictly go by the algorithm, then Netflix is just barfing up other stuff that it has that's similar that it thinks you might want to watch. And because it becomes this weird self-fulfilling prophecy, that's becomes Netflix's excuse to have almost nothing produced before 1980. Uh, because, you know, if, if, if the algorithm didn't send you there and no one's watching it, then why bother? And if you can't find it because Netflix has buried it because it's not in the algorithm, why bother? So he's actually, as all as almost always Scorsese is, completely right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to, just to uh, jump on this, it's, it's so funny because I read this, uh, the, just the headline, immediately got what he meant. And immediately was like, people are going to find a way to to do this. Because as someone who is both into film and both into tech, I'm going to just tell you right now, they've gotten real lazy with algorithm. It's not as good. It simply is not. I don't think a lot of people remember. I remember when Pandora was first created. I remember when Pandora was first in the beta. I signed up. I went. And what Pandora did was it looked at the type of instruments, the type of notes that were being played in the song, and then uh, and then suggested music that you would like based on that. That is very intense, but obviously probably takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of computing. And now algorithms are like, these things are kind of similar. And I fully agree with everything Alonzo just said, because at the end of Malcolm and Marie, uh, I was like, let me see what it suggests as like similar movies. And the suggestions were all out of whack. It was just like kind of like romance. I was like, whereas like if I who, you know, even though I made this term, I still would consider myself like a normie cinema nerd. If I were to suggest movies based off of this, I would choose single location, you know, two character movies. And those weren't suggested. <laughs> like, I was like, so what do you mean like Malcolm and Marie? Because all these you're suggesting to me, the closest you've gotten was She's Gotta Have It, which was my staff pick because I rewatched it because of that. But the only similarities was, it, it dealt with romance and was it was in black and white but like i wouldn't if if you were to ask me like am i gonna put them in a movie night together i probably wouldn't i mean i would if, if i was like black love was the theme but that's a whole nother thing and that is definitely not what the algorithm was trying to do no they with when I have a bunch of friends that when Netflix started gaining traction and putting a lot of work into the digital side of things and not just mailing you DVDs, mm -hmm. um, their job, they were all hired to make huge spreadsheets and code films that they knew. And by code, I don't mean like JavaScript yeah. or whatever, but to mark like this is a romantic comedy with family through lines and then to indicate other films that were like basically the the version of this like that the idea of curating also sounds so um special poofy. and so poofy yes like it sounds very bougie but it can it's the same thing as like anyone who used to love going to a video store and finding mm -hmm. the the staff picks there it's why we do staff picks too of um how many things get lost in the literal shuffle and i think that 
I think it's important to be, you know, as we're gaining, because the reality is, you know, Scorsese is making movies because of streamers now and knows mm -hmm. that and is not, you know, against that or against them as existing. Um, it's more embracing, oh, we're, this is growing. It's moving forward. This is our track. At this point, how do we keep the things that are special and impactful about art and the art of movie oh, yeah. making and try and translate that. And I think it's possible. And I think that it is the kind of thing that a smart streamer and a lot of them like to think they're smart streamers mm -hmm. um, could make nods to. I mean, you guys remember when we still had racism last summer and people were protesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because when we had, and I mean, it's over now because, you know, it's over, yeah, yeah. I guess. Because, because of course, we have the BLM section on Netflix. Exactly. Strategy, so which, I was going to, I was going oh, to talk that, about that. But yeah, yeah, like, that's why I bring it up is every streamer, Hulu had one. There's, I mean, freaking Postmates tells me who my black owned um, yeah. restaurants are near me and I'm grateful for it. But, when they did that, you know, there's there's layers of it. They had to spend an extra minute to go through and do that. And I think those extra minutes are important. But I think the people you're having do them. Because even the small thing, using my Korean drama again, if you're asking me what it's like, my first thing is, oh, Jane the Virgin. I'm not going to tell you because I'm a programmer and a curator. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to say like, oh, the other reference you must know is this other Korean yeah. rom-com. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, the singer Sia, best known for songs like Chandelier and Breathe Me, has turned her attention to filmmaking. Her debut feature, Music, was recently released. The film portrays an autistic teenager played by neurotypical actor and dancer Maddie Ziegler. Uh, the film has received overwhelmingly negative reviews from the autistic community on the film's portrayal of an autistic teen. The following are a few quotes from the autistic community. Matthew Rocha of Salon called the film a baffling and patronizing cringe fest of ableist minstrel see. Scholar Moranike Giwa Anaiwu said, I'd rather not see us on screen than see us in a way that fuels stigma. Uh, Twitter account The Autisticats said, this performance is a caricature of autistic body language. It's unsettling and insincere. And it is deeply reminiscent of the exaggerated mannerisms non-autistic people often employ when bullying autistic and developmentally disabled people for the ways we move. Sia said that she originally cast an actress on the spectrum in the role of music, uh, but uh, she found the casting process unpleasant and stressful and so recast the role with Ziegler. Music was nominated for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy and Best Actress Motion Picture Comedy or Musical for Kate Hudson at the Golden Globes. Is this important? Do you care? I I know that an artist like Sia is packed with empathy and is, you know, full of emotion and all sorts of things. And this seems so misguided and, and that her, rather than course correcting at any phase, has had like a lot of knee-jerk and defensive reactions. Yeah. It's also a piece that, although it's called music, which is the name of the um, autistic character, it's about her sister, played by Kate Hudson. Like, the character's not even the main character. So right. it's really much more about a caregiver or whatever. And so... It's it's just seems like missteps in a lot of ways that I really wish that yeah. people around her as collaborators or just like the sounding boards and touchstones you have in your life said, huh, mayhaps we reevaluate this one. 
if if it seems like the community for whatever reason if you think that they're just reacting harshly i also want to note that you know as so, the social media aspect of when the trailer first was dropped, the autistic community voiced their concern to her and she doubled down. Yes. And, it, and and that's why I wanted to point out, cause you were saying like, and I, and I agree that, you know, Sia seems like this highly empathetic person. Those are the ones that you uh, almost have to watch out for <laughs> because when, cause when you find yourself to be there already, you, I, yes. and I, and I was having a conversation about this too, is the people who think they're the most, you know, quote unquote woke, are the least introspective. And so when they misstep and they're called out for it, they take it personally because they feel like they're being taken out of character instead of focusing on the fact that their your action is called out, not yeah. you as a person. That's Allyship a great means listening to the people that you're allying with. Exactly. Yeah. And and I watched all the deleted tweets. They're all deleted now, but she was doubling down, going back and forth with people in the autism community. It was like, yo, um, what? <laughs> it was like, like, we're trying to help you out in this movie. And uh, you know, she still decided to go forward with it. Didn't really make any changes. Like this is back when it was like announced. You know, right. even though you there's know, the also way, yeah, you there's know. also troubling scenes in it of the character being physically restrained by her caregivers mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. and to not remove those because there's you know certainly a lot of people even living with um, neuroatypical like friends and family who don't know all of the best um courses to take care of them and god forbid this movie be teaching bad mannerisms yeah, you know and, and i think this is weirdly enough a movie that probably could have easily just disappeared without anybody talking about it but thanks golden globes now you <laughs> thrust it back into the spotlight so that everybody yeah. can talk about the fact that it has a worse rotten tomatoes rating than cats did <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm not going to speak about that. <laughs> we're going to need a retrospective rating for cats. We need we, we need to revisit us. Um, uh, and another generation will be ready to, to give it the respect it's due, I think. Uh, that is true. And we'll be ready to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah after we come back from these messages. See you in a bit. Hey, Who Shot You Nation? We'll be back to the show in a second. But first, we want to tell you about our sponsor, Storyblocks. Storyblocks is dedicated to being the world's best royalty-free stock media subscription service. With an ever-growing library of stock assets, including music, images, sound effects, and more. Yeah, I mean, if you're following me online by now, you know I like to make silly videos to do silly things. And you know what helps? Having an access to a library of stock images to make those silly things pop. Um, if you want to make things pop, yep. I'll even bring my bad segue here. They have affordable subscription plans and tools. And with Storyblocks Unlimited All Access Plan, you can get unlimited downloads of everything in their library. Even if your subscription ends, everything you've downloaded is yours to keep, which is very important if you are someone downloading these things. In 2020, Storyblocks launched Restock, an initiative to increase diversity in their library. Storyblocks is committing to having 20% of their footage contain Black, Indigenous, and people of color by 2022, with plans to expand their scope to include more underrepresented groups in the future. Explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash who shot. That's storyblocks.com slash W-H-O-S-H-O-T. I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. 
Ten years ago, I came on Jordan Jesse Go and judged my first dispute. Is chili a soup? It's a stew, obviously. The judge has dispensed a decade of justice. He's the one person wise enough to answer the really important questions. Like, should you hire a mime to perform at your own funeral? After they cry, I want them to laugh. Do you really need a tank full of jellyfish in your den? They smell like living creatures decaying. <laughs> Only if they are decaying. Yeah, which they will be. Real people, real justice, real comedy. Winner of the Webby Award for Best Comedy Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast, every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ify Wadiwe, and in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duralde. And today we're talking about Judas and the Black Messiah. Drea, uh, can you be a... <laughs> I was going to say, can you be a good white devil? <laughs> I am reading this. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm radicalized. Uh, but Drea, do you mind providing us with a brief synopsis? First, Ify, I need a clear audio of you calling me white devil. <laughs> and then, yes. Um, I'm going directly from the written one because these are real people. And this is just a, we, we so rarely Ooh, yes. have, have a this nice written be... synopsis. FBI informant William O'Neill infiltrates the Illinois Black Panthers Party and is tasked with keeping tabs on their charismatic leader, Chairman Fred Hampton. A career thief, O'Neill revels in the danger of manipulating both his comrades and his handler, Special Agent Roy Mitchell. Hampton's political prowess grows just as he's falling in love with fellow revolutionary Deborah Johnson. Meanwhile, a battle wages for O'Neill's soul. Will he align with the forces of good or subdue Hampton and the Panthers by any means as FBI director J. Edgar Hoover commands? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I'm going to read exactly as uh, as super producer Casey wrote it in the discussion, you know, uh, suggestions to start it with. According to Ify Wadiway, uh, famed uh, comedian, actor, writer, Sultan. host of the show, uh, quote, I have never been more angry at the end of a movie than I have been watching Judas and the Black, Black Messiah, unquote. Uh, and yeah, I I. I want to talk about that and also kind of jump off of kind of how Drea went into the synopsis, because this is definitely one of those movies where uh, you, you're just like, OK, let me let me get down into how all this went down. Let me, you know, connect the dots. Let me get the string board and see, like, what's real. And this is probably one of the most accurate biopics. They had Fred Hampton Jr. on set for all all of the shooting. He was on set the whole time and they consulted him and his mother. So that made me even, it made it even like harder to swallow because these are things that Fred Hampton Jr.'s mother did witness and see with her own eyes and went on to, uh, to say, this is what went down. This is a very uh, heavy one, but I'm I'm curious. You know, I don't. I, I can. This is. I could see myself getting ready to go into the long ramble, and I'm gonna save that till the till the tail of this discussion. So I I'd love to know your thoughts. But to me, I, I'm a, actually this is the thing I want to jump as I toast it to you, my you know what I always say the more experts of cinema. But to me, finishing this movie and actually digesting it, I was like, okay, this is this is what 
cinema is all about is evoking such a strong emotion and like really getting you stirred up in, in a way and in, in just getting you invested. And I think the one, two punch of this movie and then the epilogue of it was probably the most artful gut punch I've ever seen, uh, which, you know, we'll get to or not, because I don't know, that's such a like, it's such a swift punch, which is the, the ending of the lead story that you actually get to see pl- I, sorry, I just, you know, no, this is gonna be. I love, I'm excited that you're this emotionally stirred by it because that is what they're trying to do. Like, yeah. I wish that Shaka King, the director, could see you right now. Um, <laughs> uh, if he did, I'm just curious, did you, how much did you know about J. Edgar Hoover and his sort of war against? Um, you know, the civil rights movement. Talk to us about COINTELPRO. If you- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I was very, yeah, I was I was knowledgeable about COINTELPRO, but mostly, you know, when COINTELPRO is talked about, it heavily focuses on its effect on Malcolm X and, uh, and, and how it affected Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. I was, I was aware of Fred Hampton. I was aware. I think the one thing that, you know, I think I wasn't aware of was two major things. Because, you know, you learn this black history growing up. You learn all this, but here's the two major things that I think really made it stink as much. One, the age of all of them. Like, you you know, it's when you, when everything is so crystallized in this history vision, one, you always imagine everyone as adults. It's so black and white and feels far. And two, just how not long ago this was is what really hit me because the eyes on the prize, which is, you know, you what you see at the beginning, uh, you know, um, William O'Neill is about to do his interview at the top of it. Eisner Prize was, 2, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah, Eisner Prize 2. But that documentary series, I remember they showed it to me uh, in when I was in, like, preschool. And I remember because of the theme. It was, like, preschool, kindergarten. I remember because the theme was, like, uh, uh, something, something that was right is, when we started to fight, keep your eyes on the prize, <laughs> hold on. And that was the theme that, so, like, for me to, like, be looking at it and what transpired in that time being, like, oh, I was totally alive, you know? <laughs> like, and that was... I think yeah. that was part one that I'm remembering. So that oh means part my two, gosh. I was even older. Than, anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you saw you I'm, saw it in 4K. You saw it in 4K on your 72-inch oh eyeballs uh, <laughs> TV. Yeah, I was tuning into Walter Cronkite every night and getting the full story. I was two years old. I'm glad, <laughs> Ify, you brought up their ages because that actually – was such a problem for me in terms of the casting. Yeah. yeah. I think Daniel Kaluuya does an incredible job. And if you've ever read anything or watched any of Fred Hampton's speeches or, you know, the whole thing was he was this like wonderkind. He's a once in a generation ball of charisma and leadership and just an acumen of bringing people together and cutting through rhetoric. And part of what made both his ascendancy and then the it i mean any death is a trap well no any early death is a tragedy Mm -hmm. but a 21 year old who is just starting to really flex this like preternatural skill it's even more heartbreaking and daniel kalua is 31 or Mm -hmm. 30 like he's 10 years older than fred hampton likewise lakeith stanfield is 10 years older 
than William O'Neill. William O'Neill was also only 17, 17 when the FBI, yeah. FBI recruited him. But when we see it, he looks like 29-year-old Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. And you tie that together with the fact that black men especially have always been aged up when it comes to like being not considered boys or not considered youthful. And the idea of both on Fred Hampton's side for his accomplishments and William O'Neill's side for how that made him more vulnerable to uh, the FBI, to authority figures, it's really, I thought, cut off at the knees by having these older actors. And that's not to diminish what they did with mm-hmm. it, but I I struggled with that the whole movie because it's like every frame, I was just thinking of the injustice because these are real characters yeah. and it, it short-shifted, short-shrifted them in, in ways that I thought were so... Deborah Johnson was 19 when she was yeah. pregnant and her partner was killed next to her, you know, like... These were such young people making such moves, and that that part of it was really hard for me to to get over. I was just cognizant yeah. of it the whole time. For, for me, in, interestingly enough, I in a way liked it because I feel like that is the twist at the end. It made the end more of a twist, where it's like where they say they're like. Fred Hampton was 21. So so like you get invested in and I think that because it seems like the the movie takes place you you see it kind of peter out and then the everything passed when the film like cuts and it's like boom by the way he was 21 it, it really felt like those you know you know when people try and make a point and be like like you know, not to and like that diminish him. Was yes, yeah. exactly. And, and, and that's what it felt like. And in a weird way, it worked because they, this old man was <laughs> twenty one. Yeah, and it was like, and you see like the actual images of him, and you see this young kid, and then you think back to everything you just saw, which you thought was tough for an adult man, and you're like a twenty one year old. But do you with think? That. But I they could like have been saying that all along. Exactly. Though. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. with Dre on this one. Like, I, I didn't know the actual mm-hmm. ages until afterwards. I was like, oh, well, then that is a weird choice. And if I'd yeah. known it going in, I think it would have been a rock in my shoe the Ooh. way it was for for Drea. But and I I don't know what the thought there is did they think that people somehow wouldn't take it seriously or they th- that, it, that it would be like the sort of i don't know the cw version of history yeah. if you had somebody that was age appropriate i, I it, it's an odd choice i don't know yeah. i mean the performances are terrific i don't want to in any way take away from what kaluuya and stanfield are doing here but it it is an odd choice yeah i, I love- will say me too but you did also have ashton saunders right there <laughs> right. <laughs> he was literally he was yes. literally standing he's, behind he's there standing like, just yeah, that's there. right he, he, you, and you there's also there's something James. about Yeah, like there's something about the, like I said, the vulnerability of how that changes, like to hinge Fred Hampton's story basically through the eyes of his killer, who is a complicated subject for sure, is, you know, it demands a, a certain amount of sensitivity because you're already making him a secondary character of sorts, even if he's still a lead in many ways, and to then not give that idea of you know there's so much more you know we see William O'Neill sitting down like the Matrix style like Joe Pantaleone eating a steak with the with the handler and like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like he's just like psyched this guy is like feeding him and like lets him drink his booze 
Whereas if it was someone younger, I don't know. I just think it changes the whole story. A movie like this, too, it, it does something that is so important, right? I think we're starting to get to this interesting age, and I think it's only going to, we're only going to see more of this where we're like, stripping the whitewashing of history away and and that's why like that's why like i'm never gonna harp on scorsese about what he says about film and cinema because if you allow if you allow the haters to be right then you allow things like people saying this using movie as a source of history is wrong and i think it is actually a hundred percent valid because I, so there's something you were tapping on that's so true there is this when we learn about the black history um, uh, when we learn about the history in that small chapter of the civil rights movement of the Black Panthers, they are painted to be so antagonistic. They are painted to be like these terrorists. You don't see them, the food banks. You don't see them supporting other protesters. You don't hear anything about the Rainbow Coalition. And when that's what I think was so good about that movie is when I saw them show Fred Hampton create the Rainbow Coalition, I was like, this was the moment they decided they needed to kill him. Like, because you're you're starting to see, like, oh, he wasn't, and that was what was so great. It was like, it really made me separate the stuff that I've learned about the Black Panthers that were right and the stuff that is a little gassed up by, you know, white media and how they did it. And it is like, they weren't, they weren't like, you know, this, like, we need to go out and bust it. They were like, we're going to protect our communities. Like, yes, they have guns, but that's because people are being gunned down in the street. And and we're still living a time, even till this day, 2021, years later, where if that were to happen, the police are coming with riot gear. Meanwhile, people are storming Capitol buildings with weapons and are allowed to walk freely. So it's not crazy to think that maybe if black people are being gunned down in the street by racist cops, that maybe just maybe we should escort them with weapons and protect ourselves. Because that is what the Second Amendment is about. That is the actual one. That's that's what it is. Constitution people. Philando Castile, licensed gun owner, shot yes. down by the police. Has the NRA ever said anything about that? Not once. No. You want to see Ronald Reagan support gun control? Go look at when he was governor of California when the Black Panthers were around. That was when people that was when crazy right wing people loved gun control when black people had guns mm -hmm. en masse, the way the Panthers did. But yeah, you're right. In in the popular culture, we hear about the rifles and we don't hear about the school breakfasts, you know? So there was a lot going on there that that you know Hopefully films like this encourage people to like do a little more digging. Never, ever rely solely on movies to teach you history, but <laughs> let movies inspire you to go do the real reading. I don't know. We'll agree to disagree on that. I, I learned everything I know about cars from Fast and Furious. We got a full, we got a full team. Naomi, forget school, forget Zoom classes. I got everything I need on those Blu-ray racks right there. If you huh? learned how to cook from Julie and Julia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when it's time for sex ed, I'm putting in Nymphomaniac. Oh, <laughs> I'm stop. gonna teach it. Casey, cut that out. Casey, don't let him say that. <laughs> CPS gets called. Okay, it's Vote. time to come to the review uh, abortion. You know how we do it. Uh, are you going to snap it up on physical media, stream it, or skip it? Let's start with you, Alonzo. 
Uh, snap it up for sure. I think Shocker King's doing some really interesting things here. This movie isn't as much of a game changer of the kind of historical, you know, biopic genre the way that say like uh, Mangrove in the uh, in in the the small act series does to you know sort of civil rights slash courtroom drama. But I think this is this does a lot right, and the, a lot of it is is really exciting filmmaking and and you know stirring filmmaking. And and if, if for folks out there you know who who are coming to this story as something you know they they only have a a vague notion about you know again i think i I hope it inspires people to like learn more because this is a this is a tragic one of many tragic chapters of american history and i think it's told really vividly i am ah it's tricky i'm sort of in between snap it up on physical media and stream it um and that's above and beyond any of my like casting hang-ups i've parts of this felt a little inert to me and it was like not engaging me or giving me the urgency that I wanted. And and that might be my own fault because I've, I've had this before where like, I think this story and this world is so important and, and it didn't measure up to what I wanted, but that's not always an unfair barometer to give a film. So um, I do think there's a lot of merit to it. Um, yeah. I'm how's that right in the middle. Real witty. Wi- that's strap, my nice strap it up. Yeah. Yeah. My nice strap, strap it up. My nice. Um, no, do not take that out too. Do not put in <laughs> me saying strap it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm a snap it up. I'm, I'm radicalized. Uh, you know, it's, it's coming. Uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> It's just funny to say because. Uh, oh, are you about to become outspoken? Yeah, yeah, about uh, yeah, yeah. Black you know, and I'm political finally going to start be speaking out against politics and race on Silent Twitter. Silent no more. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but you know, something I haven't done before. I'm finally going <laughs> to. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's this is this is amazing and it's great and it's definitely going to be you know besides my over the shoulder uh, barking at the history books as Naomi learns about American history and being like, well, that's bullshit uh you know this will be added to the collection when we do movie learning night along with pacific rims to teach her engineering uh you know we're gonna have <laughs> this for black history but yeah uh you know while while y'all digest and some of y'all google nymphomaniac we'll be right back after you hear from another show for maximum fun hey it's jesse what you're about to hear is real Hey, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. It's Jesse calling for Maximum Fun. Hey, Jesse. I heard that you got into a car accident. Yeah, I was listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself, and I just laughed so hard that I uh, slammed into a construction barrier. Do <laughs> uh... you remember what it was that was so funny? I will never forget, I'm sure. They started talking about Vegas and the, you know, if it happens here, it stays here, and that slogan. And then Graham was talking about, oh, you know, wasn't there some other slogan for another commercial? Oh, it was like a commercial for food, and it said, like, whatever's in there stays in there. I can't remember what it was, clams or something. (laughs) (laughs) Clams? Just so ridiculous. And man, I got lightheaded. I was laughing so hard. Next thing I know, (laughs) smash. They are are just brilliantly funny. So I talked to Dave and Graham from Stop Podcasting Yourself. We would like to pay your car repair bill. Is that okay? That, I mean, that would be super nice, Jesse. I really uh, thank you. I appreciate that.
Welcome back to Who Shot You. I'm your host, Evie Whiteway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Drea Clark. And it's time for the Who Shot line. Let's answer a call from one of our listeners. Casey, play that call. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Donnie. And I just want to first say thank you so much for being you got, being who you are. One of my favorite film podcasts out there. Bright Spot on my Fridays. Very much appreciated. I just watched the movie My Dinner with Andre. I've never felt so attacked and called out by uh, by movie dialogue, and uh, it was quite something watching this movie for the first time. So i got to ask you guys, if you were to set up a remake or a new rendition of the My Dinner with Andre uh, film, who would, what two uh, actors would you want to see carry on this conversation uh, like they did in the film. Uh, me, personally, I would like to see maybe something like Angela Bassett and Michelle Yao. I think their conversation would be really interesting and enlightening. Uh, but, yeah, who would you choose for your for your Walt and Andre in a new version of a My Dinner with Andre or My Dinner with, you know, whoever? Thank you. Keep up the great work. Keep being you. Love and appreciate you guys. Bye-bye. That was yeah. so friendly. Yeah. What a good question. I love you being called out by my dinner with Andre. Alonzo gets it. Alonzo's like, oh, my people. Yeah, yeah. And I always, of course, have to add, waiting for Guffman, he absolutely has action figures from my dinner with Andre, right? It's like some of what Corky is showing to people. It's one of the things you saw at the end, yeah, which yes. I've never I've never seen those out and about, but I, a friend did give, once give me a Remains of the Day lunchbox, so... Ooh. Amazing. I'm pretty sure if those <laughs> exist, if he has them. So. Oh, for sure. Um, so I'll I'll get into other ideas on this, but the first thing that came to mind was completely inspired by a tweet this week. They announced um, they're doing a face-off sequel, but yes. people started like tweeting about like who could play the whomever. They, nobody knows what it's like the shape of the sequel, and someone was like, "If you want the urgency." And insane performances of the first one. The only two guys to bring it to you are Robert Pattinson and Tom Hardy. And <laughs> I like that both for that and for this. Okay. Because those are guys that don't look like they're going to be sitting around this table for that long. So I feel like they would really get a lot of acting done <laughs> from their chairs. My, my pick for the new face-off was, uh, not to, to derail, but um, bring back John Travolta, but then also bring back bring in Lily Tomlin and give them both their haircuts from moment by moment where they looked almost entirely alike. <laughs> And then this, that way, when they do the face swap, like who could be even who could tell? That's not specific enough, Alonso. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> what so about my, what about you for my dinner with Andre? So for my dinner with Andre, I was I was trying to think about like you know because the thing you know you have to remember like Wallace Shawn was not really an actor then he was a playwright and and Andre was a theater director and you know Wallace Shawn has since gone on to become this you know had this really wild career as a character actor but when when they did that movie they were both sort of theater people that were from the other side of the camera so i was trying to think of like who that aren't like necessarily people we think of as actors but who you'd want to you know have have this conversation and then i remembered that um when uh caitlin jenner uh did her reality show on e called i am kate uh they they, they very wisely not only paired her with you know, uh, actresses like Candace Kane and, and, and filmmakers like Zachary Drucker, but they brought in of all people, um, 
Jenny Boylan and Kate Bornstein, who are like academics and authors and like super, super smart trans people and like people who've written about the trans experience. And I'm thinking like, I love the fact that I'm watching Kate Bornstein on an E show right now, you know, like that in what universe is that happening? This one. Um, so I, 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 and, and, and they were such important voices to have on there because Kate, as somebody who was sort of you know, uh, going through all this late in life, I think had different uh, understanding of certain issues. And, and obviously as a rich white woman had different understandings of, of issues. And I think they, they were very good about keeping her grounded and bringing balance to the show and sort of like illuminating things that Kate hadn't thought about before. So really, if, if we just bring Kate, Jenny and Kate back for a dinner where Caitlin does a lot of shutting up and just listens to what Kate Bornstein and Jenny Boylan have to say, I... You take my money now. <laughs> uh, the, uh, both of those back to back were like so pitch perfect, Alonso. Like <laughs> I could not write that, and I appreciate them so so much. Whereas I'm going to give you a lot of Drea, which is I would like to see Jennifer Lewis, um, ooh, who many ooh. people know as the matriarch on Blackish, um, in conversation with Shangela as Jennifer Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but playing the two characters, Shangela, of course, being a drag queen who does a um, beautiful Jennifer Lewis impression, um, because I like the idea of of performers who those words would li like if we're doing an actual literal word for word redo in this casting. Um, so this is uh, a what are they called? Not a. No, it's, it's got to be somebody else's dinner. You can't, they, they can't be doing It's got to be someone the, else's dinner. Yeah. yeah. Those are, that's fair. But I'm also thinking of the meta quality. If you had two complete different people playing, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm Wallace Shawn. Like, oh, oh, hmm. gotcha. Yeah. The two drag kings would be Ooh. great. You know? Yeah. I, you know, my, my silence, you know, is, 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 uh, is expected from Alonzo and Drea, but you, the listener may be wondering. <laughs> Uh, see, and I had a great evening planned last night. It was going to be a double feature, the most ambitious double feature of all time, which is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and My Dinner with Andre, both on HBO Max, by the way. Uh, should have started with my dinner uh, with Andre because <laughs> after Juice in the Mac, I was rage pacing uh, around the house. Uh, you know, I was I was I was riled up. Uh, so I do safe. Uh, you know, uh, safe to say, didn't get into. But you know, I I got I got my dinner with Andre is not an adrenaline movie. <laughs> yeah, really gotta I gotta you know getting a taste from the vibes. I'm just going to throw out my pick, which are two actors I keep mixing up for no good reason. Like, you're going to hear these. I'm going to be like, why do you keep mixing them up? But uh, Jonathan Majors and John David Washington, uh, <laughs> because mm -hmm. because they also both had a good year at the same time. And I'd like to imagine yeah. a, like competitive yeah. conversation where they're trying to one up each other. There is an interesting level of both that could come out of that, of both the camaraderie of um they're, I like that, that they ascending at the same time of like, we're both getting notoriety. They're both booking bigger things, but also they're presumably like up, for the up same against stuff. each other a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, the natural, like, yes, good for you. Let's do this. And also 
there can be only one. <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice uh, tension point that could exist between them. But, you know, I hope that sated your taste for, uh, you know, actor mashups and, you know, and you're happy and you're doing the head cannon and you've played out all these scenes in your head. But thank you for calling. And uh, yes. yes, and, and, and do if you words. and and if you haven't seen my dinner with Andre, please check it out. And also, when it starts, be reminded um, in the way that Alonzo reminded us: Wallace Shawn is thirty-eight years of age. <laughs> and you know, again, I love the age of characters, you guys. So just have that in your head from the beginning. Oh, you're saying he will change your whole viewing. He's saying he's thirty-eight. Uh, you think he's thirty-eight? I think that's inconceivable oh uh, no oh no thank you Shut to everyone who's called in the number for the who shot line is wsy 803-1664 and now it's time for staff picks it could be any movie at all alonzo why don't you start so i have two that tie in with this week's films Ooh. uh and to be uh, uh, honest and upfront i've seen one of them and i've not seen the other one but the one that I haven't seen, I'm, I'm planning to catch up with real soon. Uh, so first of all, there is a new documentary called MLK FBI, and it is about the uh, Hoover again and the FBI's efforts to discredit Martin Luther King, possibly even like, you know, goad him to commit suicide. Um, and, you know, just the 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 great efforts that the American government with the help of U.S. tax, you know, on behalf of and sponsored by U.S. taxpayers were doing to undermine the civil rights movement in this country uh, with the excuse being that it was just going to be the it was going to be the handmaiden to communism. Uh, so, you know, if, 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 if you want to know more about all the, the, the shenanigans and chicanery of Hoover and the FBI during this period, MLK FBI does a really good uh, take on that. It's a movie you can rent in Amazon and YouTube and iTunes and all the places. Um, the other one is streaming on the Criterion channel, and it is a documentary called Simply Black Panthers, directed by Agnes Varda during her period where uh, she and Jacques Demy were living in Los Angeles, and she made documentaries about, you know, various uh, different you know, topics in Southern California. And, and she did one about the Black Panthers focusing on Huey Newton, um, but kind of just delving into, uh, you know, how the the organization worked, taking a sort of an outsider perspective as, as someone who is, you know, not, uh, not American, but coming from a country that has its own, you know, sort of uh, racial issues to, to contend with and, and, you know, dealing with the war in Algeria and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, I, that's the one I have not watched, but I adore Anya Svarta. So I'm sure it is interesting and empathetic. And uh, I recommend both of them for people who see Judas and want to know more about the Black Panthers. Well, not surprisingly, you guys, I have a film that can be traced back to a little film festival called Sundance. From oh. 2010, how dare you You take that sigh out of your voice right now, Mr. Duralde. Get, get me the fainting couch. <laughs> um, uh, you love them. Um, yeah, this is a film um, starring Anthony Mackie called Night Catches Us that was from 2010, um, where he plays a former Black Panther in Philadelphia, and um, he's been cast out of the Panthers because he's... They think he's... Um, responsible for a reason for one of the other Panthers being shot by a policeman. Um, and then Carrie Washington plays the widow of the killed Panther. And so it really gets into the interest circles of that world, but it's, it's set in that time and has a lot of um, 
just great performances and I love Anthony Mackie and I don't think he's in nearly enough stuff, even though he's, you know, a movie star, he's in plenty of great stuff, but I could see him any day of the week. Um, and it is, I believe currently on Amazon and probably rentable other places. Night catches us. Got it. Got it. All right. Um, my, uh, my, uh, my, my, Staff pick this week uh, is is taken away from the uh, the horrors of racism and uh, leaning on the horrors of giant lizards because I started on the Godzilla uh, original and I saw the OG triple OG one Godzilla which was my first time and like it's so funny because we always you know not we always we we know it's this allegory for the atomic bomb but like r- watching it I'm like oh no they're like smacking like no this is an alley like they mentioned it's not something yeah, yeah. It's text. They, they mentioned it so many times i was like this is like the atom bomb y'all <laughs> but it, but honestly i the story was really good just the sacrifice at the end and all that so i was like oh man this is this is solid and i plan to make my way through the whole thing but i yeah i god's like the first one he was he was no friend he was all bad he was murking people all over japan it was very bad but it's also really good because it's the criterion version and like there's something to like i don't know i'm starting to get that 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 film eye of being like oh it's in black and white but my brain is making it color is y'all y'all get that or is that something I've i just that. made up yeah I've had that. well especially because all the most almost all the other godzilla movies are in color so yeah. you just you 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 make that yeah. character look like the way yeah you used to see what it. But, what i want to have is a poster of godzilla with iffy's tagline he's not good. He's bad. <laughs> That's what I'd like. Or, he, or did you say he's not all good? He's all he's bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, he's all bad because you know he he, he becomes the homie eventually. You know, but but <laughs> but in, the, in this one, there's no goodness about. Not him. a friend to yeah, children. Yeah. He's, not he's good. Like, he's bad. He's bad. You know, it's all okay. right there on the tagline. Yeah, <laughs> they, you. There's only one way to know. <laughs> all right. Well, Drea Alonzo, as always. Thank you for a wonderful show. Is there any last words you want to say before we get up on out of here? Well, actually, uh, my show, Film and a Movie, this week we're talking to my uh, to Mark Harris about Mike Nichols, which I'm very excited about. But Ify, next week we're talking about the original Godzilla. What? Oh, look at that now. We're, ta- we're talking about the uh, we're talking about 1957's Gojira and then 19, uh, 2016's Shin Godzilla oh, with my friend So. Oh. Tune in for that. Oh, you're doing that just I, if, for Iffy. Yeah, if I can, if, I, if I could tack that on to my, um, to to my, um, my my staff pick is watch Shin Godzilla after because Shin Godzilla reverts back to that version that I was leaning in on. Uh, by the way, for those who are curious, Shin Godzilla just means new Godzilla in Japanese. Shin is just new, and we got confirmed Shin Ultraman. Which look the the, the kaiju stands we are eating. It's great. Godzilla versus King Kong. All of it. It's good times. It's I'm very happy. I'm a happy nerd. Uh, but if you're a happy nerd and you love what we do, you can support the show by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join, or you could purchase a Jumbotron by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron. It's $100 for a personal message like uh, if he loves Godzilla or 
$200 for a promotional one, like check out King Kong versus Godzilla coming to theaters when it does. And HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. It's going to be. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually loving it, but I do miss theaters. Gee, I do miss. Oh, sure. I, need, I, I can't wait to go back to uh, Alamo Playhouse and eat something that definitely shouldn't be eaten in a movie theater, but you can because they <laughs> serve it. I was like, what is, this man's is eating a steak while watching Godzilla versus King it's Kong. It's the draft house, and I absolutely <laughs> yeah. watched you get like a flight of cookies. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm eating all, yeah. We can't wait till we get we go to another rowdy oh, no. screening for yeah. something. There we go. That should be the first. I don't know if you're listening, Alamo, but the first thing you should show. Don't. When don't people put can this go out back there. To is do rowdy, not, sc- do not. rowdy screens for cats again. But let's bring oh. back that time because that's what. <laughs> that was magical. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and again, the number for the Who Shot line is WSY803-1664. And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Who Shot Your Pot. Our Facebook groups can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Who Shot Your Podcast. Or send us an email at whoshotyouatmaximumfun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.